thing that I wanted to, to throw in there as well, uh, because it hasn't come up in this discussion yet today, um, and I think it's critical, uh, is, you know, understanding the building and understanding uh, local building types and so on, that's all really important. But what about the occupant? You know, what mm. about consideration of of their specific needs and their 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 role? So I think it just feels to me like there's, you know, uh, it's a really important part of the discussion to get people thinking about this and about what their needs are well uh, this is very different isn't it if we're talking about social housing and large-scale retrofit programs that's one very different kettle of fish yeah. if you're talking about people who are prepared to move out for six months and, and and rent somewhere and come back you know you can do completely different things so um you know if you're looking for a specific example to, to work with on that air tightness for example so draft proofing 100 draft proofing it does make a lot of sense ventilation air so air Reducing air infiltration improves health. You know, you think about air generally leaking in through building fabric up under these suspended floors, picking up mold spores, drifting through the house, you know, that sort of thing. Um, uh, and then comfort drafts, you know, wherever they're coming from. Um, it makes a lot. And, and, and the energy, if you look at modelling, you know, if you model these these houses and reduce air leakage from, you know, what they might be eight, I mean, some of the 13, 15, but if we're talking mm. about maybe a, an eight, an air leakage of eight air changes per hour, and you can bring it down to two, you don't have to work so hard on other things and you get these comfort benefits and, 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 and improved air quality. But that's really hard at scale. You know, I put out a call to people and said, well, what do you think? You know, the ACB standard at the moment sets a, this air this target of two. Um, but we've, we're going to relax it to five for the shallow type. Well, I say it's shallow, the light touch retrofits, because that's the feedback from, um, you know, air pressure testers and architects and, and, and you know, retrofit pioneers for these where, where tenants can't move out. But Jeff, are you talking about what about the occupant in the grand scheme of things in terms of just the general awareness of of what the impact is about how you live or yeah uh, i think for starts i think it's really important to to show people the impact that of the way that they use the building live their lives will have on 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 how the building behaves you know mm. i think that i think that's never a bad thing to do to to to, to show people um you know and and if you're planning a retrofit and if you've got if you like like for instance if you like a really warm house you know uh, uh because people have very different kind of assumptions you know in the, in these regards you know if it's a if it's a forever home to use a horrible hallmark american uh term um you know and you're kind of uh like empty nesters who are who are planning on on staying at home well they're probably going to need higher higher temperatures you know for instance i don't know um you may have higher domestic hot water requirements in given cases whatever you know um so to me to me you know or the, or the very obvious stuff like people who've got particular um you know uh, i don't know uh uh asthma or copd or or whatever you know um so it feels to me like like that should be just part of the consideration uh in, in the process you isn't know? the elephant in the room at this point the sheer inequality of wealth distribution yeah. in countries Absolutely. like the uk you know so so these are very different conversations depending on what part of this horrible curve yeah. you're on. I would say it's even, you know, Jeff, you mentioned like, you know, people understanding how it works if they're considering retrofit. I think the conversations that we had not so long ago with Joe Alsop and Leah Robson and Nathan Gambling about understanding how your heating system works right now and the fact 
that like I have been droning on to every parent in the school run about and what temperature now is your boiler set at and did you know that and is it running at 55 or is it running at 70 and did and they're all going I don't know but was I supposed to what what's it supposed to be running at like it's that that knowledge right now like it, we're in a very different situation now than we were 12 months ago where actually mm. it's action stations and emergencies like right now and those are the things that you can do now like if mm. if there was a public service out there like if if the big energy companies started doing that or if the government did that like the way they did about um covid you know announcements to mm. say turn your boiler flow temperature down to 55 degrees mm-hmm. and you know and explain why that's supposed to work like that and you can do it in really simple terms we should get you know joe and, and leah to do that for the nation you know everybody immediately would be using less energy well that and- would be i mean that is an incredibly potentially easy win to save people quite a lot of money and reduce and, and slash greenhouse gas emissions. But you have to ask yourself, why is that not a really cost-effective way for public money to be used for, for such an awareness campaign? It's not happening, and it's not I happening. I think we for... need me to make my opinion about the government clear again in answering that question. But it's, it, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's yeah, the government of the day, of course, but it's also a structural thing about the relationship between buildings and fuel and energy suppliers isn't it? I mean, it is, it's, it's endlessly shocking. It's, mm. it's an absolute no brainer. Mm. Is it, is it happening? I mean, is it getting traction, this idea? Cause it, you know, it's, it's gone around Twitter a bit, hasn't it? You know, turn your boiler temperatures down. Um, but I don't think it is getting that much traction. If you don't even understand, you know, that your boiler, how it works even, you know. And but it's do you need to here? understand it? Do you need to understand it? If, if, if you're being told by a trusted voice, I mean, part of the problem is, where are the trusted voices? But yeah. if 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 it was across mainstream media in, in a positive way, you wouldn't need to understand how your boiler works. You just told no. the punchline. Yeah. So maybe it's not so much about understanding how your boiler works, but taking away the fear that if you turn a yeah. dial on it, you won't break it. I suppose it's just yeah. that. And yeah. maybe that is as simple as just saying, <laughs> you won't break this. <laughs> you yeah. can turn the switch. Like, yeah, yeah I yeah. don't know. It seems like it would be a great service. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I've slightly resisted this this, this sort of, um, you know, energy efficiency, promoting energy efficiency, riding on the back of a war in Ukraine. I kind of, I am, I can see that it's it's got traction with a lot of people. I'm deeply mm. uncomfortable with it morally myself, but, mm. um, you know, whatever it takes, perhaps, I don't know. Mm. But, um, you know, maybe, is you know, that is, I don't know whether I'm being too cynical, but is that the, what prompts people? You know, to equate doing something like that in the service of something, you know, the people like me might find uncomfortable, but it's, yeah. it, you know, getting people to actually do it. But in a way, we're still dancing around the problem. The government should be bloody well doing this. It's a no brainer. But why are they not? What's the structural yeah. problem to reduce the amount of energy used in this country? Well, there I are think clearly are problems. Yeah, I think that's why we get like really frustrated with it, because we've said this time and again, and in all sorts of different collaborations that we've done around retrofit in with my ACAN hat on, right? You know, this is a good news story, no matter the flavour of government. Like retrofit and all of the bits around it, whether it's about optimising your heating system or moving right into deep retrofit, the whole thing is a good news story. So you have to then ask yourself, like the question you've just said, so what are the problems? What are the core structural problems that this is not being taken up? And like... um. I tell you what I think it is, you know, I think a lack of humanity. I don't know. No, no, no. I there's a cult, there's a cultural problem. Oh, sorry, Duncan. I can say. There's a cultural problem here 
um, where which is to do with um, not doing without. You know, mm. our whole culture, capitalism, is, seems to be based on what it is, clearly based on this idea you can have multiple choice, even if it's illusionary. You don't, you know, you, you more of everything, you know, and, and there's a cultural problem with people who are very strong believers in, in capitalism and the market mechanism and so on, to not say, to not put out a public thing saying, you know, you've got to do with less, you've got to do without, you've got to do more with less. It just doesn't, it doesn't sit with them at all. They don't get it. What they want to be saying is um, we're producing a lot more energy and you can just use greener energy and more of it. And that's not sustainable, but it's completely embedded in the current, you know, technocrats running our country. And I think that's what's why it just meets this blockage. Sorry, Which is Duncan, funny because, oh yeah, Duncan, come in because otherwise you'll never no, get a word. I think Andy said that really. I know exactly. I think Andy summed it up as a, as a cultural thing. There's, there is a societal belief in Anglo Saxon capitalism about having more and not being constrained. And I think you summed up. And I think what I would add to that is you're absolutely right. It is about producing more energy. We saw that in the latest government um, uh, strategy. Oh, of course, the name of it, um, the energy strategy they released mm. about no relation to it, nothing in there about retrofit whatsoever. And I think what I'm concerned about is how that then translates into technology and how technology will save us. Somebody asked me a question um, in a presentation I did just the other day um, uh, about should we wait for new technology to come down the track? And that's something I hear quite a lot. I said, well, no, because everything we need to do is here just now. But I think retrofit, reducing the demand that our homes need for, for, um, for energy is still not perceived as being... Um, the, the most attractive policy and, and my concern is we're going to have a hydrogen um, uh, we have a hydrogen lobby which is extremely active and even though we, we it, it might, within technical circles we know that that is just not viable I still worry that the hydrogen lobby and, and, and the gas industry will come together and provide a solution that might not be the best one. This is why I'm so passionate about the messaging around all of this Okay, because we, we you, make, you make small tweaks in your language around describing this you know, you've got to use the positive language. You've got to frame it in not what am I giving up, but what am I getting back, which is why the whole bringing in all of the benefits into the conversation. It's about what you gain. It's about if you do this, this is how much better stuff gets. If you do this, this is the uplift. And like, that's why the language around these things really matter. That's why we went down to Parliament Square with the Festival of Retrofit, because it was about me- like it was about messaging around the benefits and changing that approach. Because I think you're absolutely right about the like, well, I should have choice. I am the consumer and I am always right. And, you know, that's a misjudgment anyway. But like all of those things are part of that. But also, let's not forget that not that long ago, it was also the keep calm and carry on and make do and mend. Like that also underpins a huge swathe of the you know culture in this country as well. So like there's an opportunity to kind of find those bits of messaging and turn that to the advantage, which I mean, which is why when we are talking about, oh, well, there's a problem that I immediately jump in and go, no, that's an opportunity. Because if we don't start like shifting the language and the semantics around it, we are making a harder sell for ourselves. You know, and I know that's getting into kind of the mindset stuff. That's kind of important. Is, is it not also, I, I agree with what you're saying, Sarah, but is it not also the case potentially in terms of the reason why this is happening? That um, it's so, if you're a, a, a government uh, that's that's faced, issue, faced with issues like this, a lot of the what we're describing in the re- retrofit tends to involve a, a lot, a, an awful lot of, of hard, you know, 
there's a lot of complexity to it. It doesn't mean that the outcome has to be complex, but there's a lot of complexity in terms of doing it right. And if you have, on the other hand, a lobbyist um, whispering in your ear about about just uh, just switching the, the fuel, you know, to, to methane or whatever, it's so simple, you know, from their perspective. It's just it, it's 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 the, the quick techno fix um, that for, that stops them having to deal with all all of these these uh, these the, these seemingly difficult issues. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't solve the other problems, but 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 they're not they're paying that much attention anyway. Well, this, sorry, Andy, this goes back to what Patrick Harvey said. He said the difficult thing for politics, you know, proper politicians have to make difficult choices and to say to people, it's about a change of behaviour, it's about having something different. And I think that's that's the point, isn't it? It's about it's about how responsible politicians should should set a path which is the sustainable long-term path rather than the quick you can have more. I think yeah. Okay. So this is. Hmm. I, I I talk to 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 various you know practitioners and academics and 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 uh, without mentioning names particularly because I don't want to misquote him by accident. But talking to uh, somebody who works in a London university, and his view increasingly has been that what is going to drive change is the big strategic decisions around energy supply to which we will respond whereas i think if you know i'm beginning to think it is flogging a dead horse it's important to continue things in this country you just run them into the ground and then you put a whack a makeover on them dot and dab and paint it up and sell it for a profit i mean that's the culture really that's developed um and that they're terribly neglected now if you had a harsher climate, you'd probably look after them a lot better. But I think culturally, we will end up treating our assets, you know, will become over time ultra materialistic because resource constraints, you know, will make us realise over the next few decades that what we've got is really valuable. It needs looking after. We need to maintain things properly. We need to extract maximum performance from what we've got. That's a very slow process and it's not going to drive. So, so those. Those benefits are a slow cultural change. And I think I do, I've always been uncomfortable with the, the supply side always leading. Yeah. The big shiny machines will sort it out, you know, new nuclear power stations. So there's a bad side to that, the silver bullet, you know, real men build power stations that don't piss around with energy efficiency. That's always been uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean that it's not, there's an important truth there that, you know, decarbonizing the grid making big decisions about you know sort of bringing more and more wind power and so but making making the decisions which is not happening i'm not saying it's happening but changing the energy carrier to which we then respond and some a lot of what we're talking about will fall into to place so i think there's an absolute role for deep retrofit better buildings high performance buildings but it's a slower process than anything i think we've hoped for going forward it'll be more about the light touch retrofit that doesn't lock out that deeper process towards better buildings. And it's really hard because the sense of urgency and panic. Yeah. But it's the framing of it then as well. It's like how you turn, it's how you start to look at, it's how you reframe the whole thing, the language around it and what you're actually doing. It's like, it's, you know, making, making the connection in people's minds that like, okay, if you're concerned about the climate, then like become a plasterer and deal in their tightness and you're a climate hero. Like yeah. you start to like, for sure, yeah. to like say, show those other benefits. And also the yeah. reframing of like, um, 
you know, looking after what we've got, making sure that you're aware that your buildings are worthy of being cared for and that they are more than just, you know, something. And, and this comes from our like really warped sense of like owning the building so that it brings us some value because that's all they are. It's because we've undervalued the household for so long. We've undervalued that as a space, a mm. place for that, that actually builds everything else in your life. And whether that's a success or not, like has a huge part to play in but it has a very real physical sort of feedback when you are looking after your home or improving it you feel safer Mm. you know whether you're you're more isolated from um i mean you know the house i'm I'm lived in which is the sort of benefit you know of an old victorian house the things that every day you know every day i think about it the the quality of the air you know, through the MVHR system, I really value that. It makes me feel safe and secure and healthy and so on. Um, the fact I just kind of don't pay much attention to energy bills on a daily basis, occasionally, oh, I should, I should check it. But actually, it's fine because I've, I've pushed myself well beyond being, you know, too worried about some of these, you know, even these big energy price increases. It's a nice place to be. It's quiet. You feel a little bit more isolated from shouting in the street and stuff like that. So it kind of there's some real, but but it, it's hard to to imagine that you have to feel it, yeah. and that's quite hard to get across to people, isn't it? That whole package. Yeah, why those demonstrator projects and things like that are fine. And like Jeff, you've told us stories yeah. of that, you know, and the it, the reaction you get from people when they live in that space and feel that space and imagine what that could be like. And yeah, that's very hard to get across unless you're actually. Which is why it's important that we have these things built from a community basis so that you can actually deliver something and show it. And you can touch it, you can feel it, you can breathe it. Those those bits are Mm. really important in the telling and the selling of that story, I suppose. Yeah, stories. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Now, um, we were meant to be talking today about... Don't tell me we've gotten to the end and we haven't you know, actually talked about what we said. I know, we yeah. About. <laughs> no, we were going to try and, uh, we were gonna, I was going to do a Roger Cook on Andy about the embezzlement of the AECB pension funds, actually. Um, <laughs> no, it was, uh, no, it's, it's, we have pension funds? Fantastic. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Not anymore, you don't, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I was going to, I was going to be talking, we, we, we were planning to talk around uh, the AECB's works uh, with regards to the low energy buildings database, the LEBD, and uh, this project that's going uh, ongoing at the moment to to rebuild this kind of critical resource and critical and underappreciated resource for the industry. Well, it comes back around to what we were saying at the beginning about like sharing information about mm. buildings and successes and otherwise of of things like that. So it's it is kind of come full. Circle. I would say everything we've said to date is completely irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> But it's this kind of, and you're you're right, Sarah. That this there's a sense. I think one of the things that draws me towards the ACB as an organisation is that there's uh, uh, a kind of a, an inherent sense of, uh, of of openness, of kind of an open source collaborative approach, um, mm-hmm. which is very different to what you find in some organisations. Uh, which ten, you know the tendency, I suppose, for uh, is is to be protective and and uh, um you know and it's it's like it's like if you take the, the other example that i think one to talk about was um was ph ribbon and the and the uh, associated embodied embodied carbon calculation calculator tool because there's there's a, a version which piggybacks on the, the passive house software uh, phpp um and then there's a freestanding version and we've looked at other uh proprietary embodied carbon calculation tools um 
and uh, and then look more, probably more closely in fairness at at, at, at uh, the ACB's tools. And um, the the thing that I love about it as a publisher is uh, the fact that it's uh, because it's Excel based, it's open source, and you can kind of you can actually pick holes in it. Now that creates huge problems because it means for me that I can get lost in it and I can I can uh, <laughs> interrogate it uh, 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 and the formula under underpinning a, a, a you know the assumptions in in a given calculation. But it's fantastic because it means we actually end up learning things about buildings and, uh, and about uh, well, I think this you know the impact exactly that the decisions what, yeah. uh, we we take uh, can have. You know, um, I think so, this chimes with what we were saying earlier because. You know, where we're talking about if every project has to have an embodied carbon lifetime carbon analysis, it makes it really, really, really slow going. But what you've been doing, Jeff, and, and we've been working with you on this, is doing generic research that starts to build, um, you know, this sort of library of understanding about construction, approaches to construction that lead towards lower lifetime carbon, you know, approaches to building. So it's that mixture, isn't it? So it's a research tool, is what I'm saying. It's a really useful research tool, whether that's in-house for a larger practice um, or whether it's like collaborations of researchers like we've, we've been doing. And, and again, sharing it, as you say, and you've been sharing it in your article. So hopefully designers are starting to see the right ballpark to aim for and having some problematic constructions or pulled out as, okay, well, I thought that was quite quite low carbon but actually it's not and some counterintuitive things in there even if it's at the uh, the level of elements like you know i was surprised at uh, just cement 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 based um leveling layers behind ewis like how much carbon is in that layer it's just a little thin layer but you know and it's so those that that sort of shared you know research work that we're doing is really valuable and then as you say the tool for those people who have got that extra capacity to, to to take a project that bit further and then share it back is is very valuable. I, I don't know how you feel the the pace of learning and feedback is going in embodied carbon at the moment, but it's I know it's just at the early stages. But do you think I it's think starting learning... to impact design? Yeah, I I, th- I think it I think it is, and I think I think it will pretty pretty quickly. I, I think I think put it this way: in Ireland, um, we are absolutely seeing the situation where. Um, all of a sudden, within the last couple of months, some of the very biggest property developers in the country are uh, starting to, to 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 pretty radically change how they do things, um, and to start to. Uh, and we had in, in the new issue of the mag, which is just out now and on, online and and uh, just back at the printers. Um, it's free to access online. In fact, um, we had a, a case study on a, a a project in in County Wick. County Wicklow uh, by DRES, the third biggest house builder in Ireland last year, they did their own embodied carbon calculations. They have a head of sustainability who's doing embodied carbon calculations. Um, uh, and that, to me, is extraordinary to think that the developer would be doing that themselves. Um, I know of other stories of, of developers, uh, the, the very biggest developers in Ireland who are going around asking for, for EPDs, for, for heat pumps, for instance, oh. and and um and uh paying bonuses uh to, to their senior management based on ESG performance and and mad stuff you know like yeah. completely on un- uh so that's coming together that's the, the the lifetime carbon modeling and the EPDs what what can you remind me what you think is driving this driving EPDs becoming more well more done and, and more widely available 
ultimately i think i think it's finance um uh, so the eu taxonomy is is helping this new european rules for what constitutes a, a a green investment and there are requirements for buildings above a certain size to use uh to, to have a, a a building life cycle assessment done for instance um uh but we're seeing developers go beyond that um and uh, the big the bigger developers uh, and i think i think it's pressure from uh, investors um and shareholders that's start, starting to 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 push it to i think you know, perhaps there's the signs of emerging groupthink in that area i don't know you know uh, it's so- almost like sorry sarah no, i was going to ask what the regulatory landscape is around body carbon in ireland because it isn't regulated here like not really regulated yeah i mean it's it's no. only start it's only start sorry for going off but it's it's only starting to move i mean we have um the state is going to be the laggard here in Ireland. It's it mm. is the, the the baddies are coming to our rescue. It's really bizarre, you know. Um, and um, I, uh, it seems to be sincere, you know. Uh, mm. uh, I, um, so what 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 I'm interested in is so these ESG capital funds, you know, so it's environment, social, governance. They're looking for you know beyond just um, financial returns. And so they're looking, I know, I understand that as capital moves away from fossil fuels, you know, it's a tiny trickle at the moment, but it's it's definitely heading in the right direction. They're looking for hot, firmer, clearer things to be able to say, yes, this investment is is solid. But I get the impression, what you're saying, that you think it's it's picked up on the carbon impact of materials more than it has ever picked up on operational energy and energy performance mm. standards. Is, would you think that's true? Uh, perhaps, um, but I think um, I think that, I wonder. I think maybe that you're right because because of our previous discussion around the grid decarbonizing, there's almost like an assumption that that grid is mm. on its way. It's going to look after itself, and we really don't need to mm. be interacting there because that's going to be zero in no time. Mm. And I think you're right about it. Looking now towards the okay, well, what's the other bit? What's the other slice of the pie? Well, that's interesting because that's a meta idea that that, that a concept that is obviously, you know is everywhere. The idea that um, it's about the supply side. So as long as the grid is decarbonized or people perceive that, you know, I mean, we know how much gas is still being burnt, you know, to move all of our heating and power and vehicle needs. I know smart interconnectivity and all that sort of thing, but there's a huge, you know, there's a huge rump of fossil fuels, very, very mind-numbingly large amount of fossil fuels being burned. So avoid- I think this comes back to the undervaluing of the household again, because everyone's like, yeah, look at all of our wind farms, mm. look at all of our, you know, renewables, look at all of that. And yet 86% of homes are burning gas and mm. there's a lot of them. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know whether- so the, the evidence is staring you in the face, of course. Yeah. You know, most people kind of get that fact. But suddenly, as you say, there's a perception that the grid is well on its way and it'll all happen without any demand side reduction. But I do think that there's an emotional response that people get when they're thinking about materials and stuff that they don't get when they're thinking about reducing how much energy they're using to heat or power a house. There's something much more visceral about materials, you know, the, the, the allure of natural materials or um, do, do you not think that there's a, it's a more emotionally charged area? That's why people tend, in the, certainly in the industry, yeah. to be much, they seem to be much keener about tackling embodied carbon issues. Well, you know what? I think it's about it here. I think, I think if I think of the two defining issues that uh, in the 20 years uh, that, that I've been publishing 
this. Oh no, Jeff! Sure, look at you, you're a whippersnapper. <laughs> uh, it's fresh out of college, but no, I started when it was five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we um, there's probably two defining issues that 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 uh within the construction industry that you know that would uh would I think would endure in most people's minds about about their understanding of of green building or of sustainable building, um. One would be, you know, the, the energy efficiency, the, the, the building energy raising system that we have in Ireland. People would generally see that. Most people would regard that as as being, you know, if you've got an A rating, that's the goal, right, in that system. The other would be a debate that was held um, 15 years ago or so, mainly through through um, advertising and, and, and the odd uh, media debate over timber frame versus uh, cavity wall construction versus concrete. Okay. With high-profile debates, I think you had it. You had it in, in the UK to an extent as well in the eighties. You know, um, Panorama and, and uh, you know, famous kind of sh- programs on on failures of certain building forms and so on. Um, so I think I think those uh, still resonate with people. Um, and I think actually people, I think they're in some ways more more well primed to to understand these issues than we give them credit. Like it's so often the case if if, if you talk to people about electric vehicles. It's you know any petrol head you speak to, uh, chances are they'll talk about uh, these EVs are not really that green when you consider all of the 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 minerals, the rare earth metals, or whatever you know that, that are required to make them. So that that actually, you know that that awareness, as much as it's often misguided, and there's the people have a little bit of information, um, is uh, you, you know with, with some some kind of truths in there um, uh, rather than the whole understanding. Uh, th- that's that's not a bad place to start in some ways uh, to, to get people to, to think about these other issues too. I think, I think those, 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 those places that people go to when they're sort of reacting against, no, oh, I don't want to leave. I love my petrol car. I don't want to go. Th- those, those arguments are not a result of them going, I'm going to do a bit of an al- analysis. I think they're pre-prepared, pre-prepared pieces yeah. of, of, of <laughs> propaganda in a way. back to what you said yeah. before. You can't have a logical discussion around what is an emotional issue, right? Because that's yeah. what it's tied to. So it's the same thing. It's like Brexit. Like we could never have rationally discussed our way into any proper outcome there. That was. But all. I think this is the bigger understanding that human beings are social and, and not rational yeah. creatures. I know. You know, and, and yet and yet certainly when we're talking about buildings and energy efficiency is probably one of the worst. You know, suddenly it becomes very rational and lots of graphs and statistics and so on. And I know, but I think but you've, got to, you've got to try and turn the building blocks of their prejudices against them. You know, and use those <laughs> reuse those building blocks for something more wholesome you know um i think um and, yeah, and uh, <laughs> you can take that it's information it's just, just a mindset shift of the population is that all we need to be doing grant <laughs> <laughs> but it's true i'm not being i'm being facetious but like it's true it is it is the biggest thing i i, I would be less cynical uh, I, I i get the impression that the, that that there's going to be pressure if you look at some of the there's a platform called grez g-r-e-s-b uh, I don't know what what it is. Dot, uh, what what the what the extension is on the URL, um, but uh, it's a platform where uh, property developers uh, are essentially uploading uh, uh, their their developments um, with quantifiable uh, or quantified data on on things like you know uh, embodied carbon and actual actual energy performance. I believe they're 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 uploading. Uh, uh, post occupancy data as well. So should we should we not bother to continue with our ACB <laughs> database uh, rebuild project then? Oh well, uh, Jeff's uh, earlier 
you know, uh, comment about the open source nature and sharing and good goodwill. I, yeah, I think I think the LEVD is, is going to be getting into a level of granularity as well. Um, that's going to be so much more important too. Um, but uh, and as you say, open source is that, that element is going to be absolutely key to it. It's it's more. It's just a sense that you know I can see this among developers uh, that uh, and you know we have. Um, the biggest bank in Ireland recently in, in collaboration with the Irish Green Building Council um, uh, started offering um, low interest development finance um, or lower interest development finance, at least for projects which meet their home performance index certification, which which requires pretty well-rounded sustainability uh, uh, reporting for, for, for a project. So, you know, the, it's, it just gives me a sense of optimism, optimism that, I, that I haven't before. But I do think, you know, it, it's, it's going to be very important to see open, uh, uh, attackable kind of, you know, sources like like, like the ACB's carbon calculation tools, which enable you to kind of really interrogate it and, uh, and understand how to produce better designs rather than just uh, a tool that spits out a result um, and gives you gives you a green tick, you know, gives uh, for, for your overall certification, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um, I think it is worth talking a little bit about low energy buildings database because one of the things I <clears throat> and, and the importance of having um being able to oh you've got to go I've got to nip I'm sorry I've got to go and pick up more children I'll hang around. My own. but you guys crack on this is a really good conversation it always happens it's always <laughs> like we get we do a great big load of really good discussion and then it's like this like kind of transition bit just at a time run I'm like oh this could go somewhere really interesting and well we'll, we'll 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 keep it brief so we don't <laughs> disappoint you go ahead. <laughs> All right, nice, 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 to, nice that to chat. Leaving. Yeah, really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. So, um, so what I was I was trying to get round to to say was if with with the low energy buildings database, it, yes, it was about trying to show to capture what people have done on projects, what were their intentions, what were the design strategies, share their thinking, and then show, not with all of the projects, because not everybody puts up a, you know, a year's data to show whether what they wanted to happen has happened. But there's a, a good number of people on there who have done that. And you start to get a good sense of whether, you know, what type of projects uh, do deliver as expected. And clearly, I mean, there's other research to back this up, you know, the sort of where a project is certified is more formally certified, whether that's an ACB standard self-certification approach or the more onerous third-party certifier from a passive house project. The, you know, the predicted performance of that building and the measured performance of that building tend to be a lot closer. The performance gap is, is, is minimised. Um, but equally, it's really valuable to see some of the um, before and after retrofits where, you know, that hasn't happened because you can learn a huge amount. You know, why was the air tightness worse after a retrofit on that project? Mm. And then you can click on that comparison and go through to see the actual details of the project. Or, and I like this bit, which I think, I don't know whether we're, this 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 is something we can enhance as we rebuild this, the, the database, but the, the, um, the ability to go on do a quick home energy check. So you put your house in, you go, okay, well, you know, I, how many, how much gas do I burn? How much electricity do I use? How many tons of logs do I burn? It just gives you an idea of where you're at. And it might surprise a lot of people. Um, oh my goodness, you know, and then, and then you can basically 
that 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 result that you've just generated gets compared to, to other projects on the database. So what you're doing is you're seeing what your peers have done. So your house is this. How does it compare with these you know other hundred projects? And you go actually well I'm I'm much worse than I ever thought I was compared to what these other people have done. Or actually I'm actually not too bad. And you might think well you know. I'm I'm sort of slightly below average, but I know my house is bloody freezing. <laughs> <Do you know? laughs> I want to improve that side of things, and I think that that sort of comparing yourself with peers, so but you can then go and say, well, what did they do to get their house so much better than mine? And you click through, and there are these lovely photographs, and there's some design strategies, uh, and maybe a, a sort of a couple of uploaded documents that give them an idea of who you know which companies they use to to build it. I think that is an underused part of what we've currently got. And I'm really looking forward to the day where you know more and more people are using this database to sort of go start on those journeys that we talked about earlier, looking Absolutely. at what others have done. I think it's also really important. I think I think one of the things that I'm hopeful about with the LEBD is that it could be a really useful way of herding cats. Um, mm. You know, um, because it's so common for people to to organize information uh, when uh, and and to report on on what they've done with the building hmm. in ways that are not comparable because they're not using common metrics. Oh, well. I see. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. So, 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 so setting this up in such a way that, that it's possible to, to the greatest extent possible, actually compare like with like, or, 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 you know, uh, uh, make sure that you're, uh, that you're, you know that you that you can you can actually begin to have a sensible discussion if 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 you're tr- if you're just trying to be consistent in the way the information is gathered. You know, this is interesting, isn't it? Because it gets um, some quite technical challenges here. So, for example, um, if you're trying to compare two projects where one has been calculated using Passive House Planning Package and the other has been calculated using SAP, um, you know, we have put out guidance on how to use both of those pieces of software to bring the results closer together, you know, to pay attention to some of the default settings and so on. Um, but generally speaking, they look quite different. Um, they're not that different as, as, as models, as we've, we've talked about in other um, uh, podcasts and webinars and so on, but, but you will see slightly different figures. That's one way it's hard to compare one project with another, yeah. but you can still compare the actual measured performance versus predicted that can be quite interesting the other the other problem is you know um to get a database that adjusts projects in terms of the, their measured performance for different years so in, in I, I i've submitted my information on my house from the year 2010 it was a cold winter and i've submitted information about that but i can't compare that with somebody's you know the, with the results how many kilowatt hours per square meter in a year i use compared to somebody's house in in 2015 with a different well actually it's quite cold wasn't it? but you know 2017 <laughs> or something and and so it's that it becomes quite a technical challenge quite a sophisticated so i don't know are you imagining in the future it'll go it'll become that sophisticated or i think i think ultimately you want to be able to enable uh that, that kind of comparison where you can um i mean you have to balance you know utility and making it manageable with mm. uh with, with with these kinds of concerns but i think i think that, that fundamentally i guess what 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 defines it for me is that uh there has to be a restlessness and a, and a, and a want to know 
uh, driving you with these things. And if, you, if you're driven by that, actually wanting to understand things better and trying to communicate that fact. Well, that's one particular community, isn't it? People who do want to get to the bottom of things and improve their, their practice. And, oh. the, and, the, and the database is very much for those people. But also there's a different audience, isn't there? But that, well, different but that, audiences. True, but that understanding needs to inform everything. Because unless I have that degree of, of certainty, if I have unresolved questions like that um, in any of these areas, it undermines my confidence in 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 being able to 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 describe things to people. And to, and well, I to, suppose to... another good example of this, Jeff, is embodied carbon targets. You know, so for example, and and this can be very frustrating. You know, we should, as a industry, be aligning our carbon embodied carbon targets. You know, so that if Letty, for example, have um, you know a sort of carbon. Uh, sort of carbon target, embodied carbon target, and, and and the RIBA have a carbon target, and there are just subtle things different. You know, one includes PV panels, which are very high embodied carbon elements within a building, and others, and and the other one doesn't include it. It just introduces this unnecessary complication that undermines a sense you can compare one project with another working to different targets and i just think you know those sort of things those differences do need to be weeded out people really do need to collaborate to make sure i mean we're getting there aren't we with the consistency of embodied carbon accounting i mean it's still a bit messy and a bit shaggy across the industry people are still using different concepts which aren't we don't think are particularly valid you know carbon negative and carbon positive Whereas, you know, that, that, that doesn't help either. That is, doesn't help. No. But there is a consistency developing, isn't there? I think, Would you yeah. say? Yeah, I think so. I think um, uh, I would love to see, I think it's a crying shame that the UK and the EU have uh, different approaches. Uh, you know, they're subtly different. Um, which So they're, it's, it's possible to adapt, I think, um, from from. from learning more about the the eu and their levels kind of framework um and and the uk stuff because of the changes that are forthcoming to ricks to the, the royal institute charles various whole life carbon methodology um there's some there's some un, probably unresolved questions there about about exactly how that will manifest but um they're broadly pretty well aligned um and i and i think it's going to be important probably the the fix for this to some extent is to have tools that are nimble enough to spit out results in either uh, you know, uh, according to either framework, you know, um, and um, same thing. I mean, Letty and Reba, you know, they have tried to align their standards. Um, and the, the PV one is an, is a, is an interesting, it's specifically, it's only um, Letty, uh, I think we had to, we, 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 we teased this out with them. They, they do count building integrated PV. So where so so where roof tiles are, are 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 not used and the PV has a sort of inset tray and the actual panels are part of the weathering exactly system. How, well, the, the, how, the, the, the tray behind the PV panels is the weathering system, but the, and then that's included yeah. in your you know you've used up more of your carbon budget for the house because of that. But if it's bolted on top of yeah through the tiles, it's not included exactly. Yeah, so which is interesting, isn't it? Because there's a disincentive there to do that if you're following the carbon target, because you're actually using quite a high embodied carbon material system to be yeah. a part of the roof. It's not a cheap roofing solution, is it? So it's well, a disincentive. Is, yeah. Well, it's an interesting one. W- which would you consider in the round, Andy, to be more sustainable? Um, well, every- if you're if you're going to put PVs on a roof, it would be the the inset system where 
yes, you have an additional plastic tray, but you're not using fired or, or concrete towels. I mean, actually, I you can probably answer this better than than me. You know, a sort of rigid plastic weathering tray versus the same area of concrete tiles or whatever else is going to be used. Is it? Mm. I presume it's slightly lower carbon. I, I would, I would have absolutely thought so. I mean, it depends. If it's natural slate, then the slate will be like slate oh. carbon. Um, but if it's a, if it's if it's like a concrete tile or something, then then yeah. Um, it, it, so if know. it's a, if it's a natural slate and you and you replace that with a plastic tray in the PV, well, if you replace it with a plastic tray, yeah, it's actually slightly higher carbon then. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's kind of this is this is what you know. Where does the embodied where should the embodied carbon be accounted for for energy generating technologies? I mean, I tend towards wanting to know what the building is without any energy generating technologies. Yeah. Personally, I'd rather have it accounted for just separately. So I suppose well, in why, a way, well, but does it seem a little bit arbitrary to draw a distinction between PV and a heat pump? You know, in that regard. <laughs> you know where do you you get into all these little uh rabbit holes yeah 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 it's, well it's i don't think it's i don't think it's answerable in a way you know boundaries are where you decide to draw them um, I think, I think it's, it's just about being clear isn't it it's about being yeah. clear and trying yeah. to agree that when one project is presented you know and, and it's presented including pv panels those few extra tons of co2 up front uh, and another project is presented is you can see at a glance that that other one hasn't included that you know so and you should record on them. Uh, you, 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 even if it's not included in the in the boundary conditions for the building, you should you should include you should report on it. And you because there are the reality is that there are as as the uh, the article on the Carstone Alan Budden designed passive house mm. in this issue showed this building with 150 square meters worth of solar PV. So it's an enormous mm. uh, array. Um, mm. Uh, the difference when we looked at uh, on the basis of the 60-year lifespan of the building in accordance with the UK methodology, um, the EPDs for solar PV were uh, were assuming uh, a 25-year lifespan. Um, mm. So that meant two replacements of the of the race mm. to take that into account, right? Mm. Um, but but the best EPD and the worst EPD in terms of embodied carbon we found the difference uh, just looking at the at the PV modules alone was either 35 tonnes in the best-case scenario or 125 tonnes in the worst-case scenario. For that particular project with... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's... Uh, you so know, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of tonnes of CO2, isn't it? It was um, 61% of the total for the building, um, according to our calculations, uh, in the worst-case scenario. So it's, you know, if it is... I don't I don't really have a view whether it should be included or excluded. I'm not sure in, in the whole building total. Um, in that case, it was it was building integrated, so Letty would have included it too. Um, but but the fact is that it's a huge amount of well, it's interesting, isn't it? Who gets the benefit? Because you know, I I've either missed it or forgotten about it. I, you would have thought that there would have been a study from someone or another to have looked at the most efficient way to de deploy large areas of photovoltaics to supply the UK with, you know, additional, um, uh, you know, low carbon electricity. And this, there's an, it's one of these complex, that, that we're talking about wicked problems here, you know, you turn one way and there's an unintended consequence and the factors are so complicated, you know, so, so we're not going to solve anything here, but it's interesting trying to just bring these details up to the surface. 
But, you know, if you have marginal farmland, which isn't being used or is not highly productive, and you can put solar panels on in a particular way, maybe at a certain height, that allow some other incidental useful use of the land below and around them, you know, the sort of best practice kind of sort of uh, installation, you know, is that not always... Is, not a question I expect you to answer, but is that not an always a better way, a more sensible way of deploying photovoltaics than on a building's roof? However, the benefit of that goes to whoever's investing in that, who owns the land and who's, you know, the, 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 the company or the community who's invested in that. Whereas if a homeowner puts it on their roof, under the current arrangements, you know, they get some benefit. Well, in fact, they get large amount of benefit particularly when yeah. it was it was funded and so there's an incentive for the homeowner financial incentive it's an investment for them so therefore they should be having to you know account for the embodied carbon of that it, it's yeah it's who who gets the benefit and 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 and, and where do you account you know who, who who in a way takes it into their carbon you know it comes out of whose carbon budget it's a vexing issue on that point about whether they're um, roof mounted or or just, you know, freestanding on the land or whatever. Mm. Um, I don't know enough on this, but I know that uh, Professor D uh, Diana Vorsatz, the oh, yes. coordinating lead author of the AR, the buildings chapter of AR5, the mm. IPCC's uh, yeah, uh, fifth, fifth assessment report on climate, climate change mitigation. Mm. She gave a presentation a few months ago where she, she, I, as I recall, it um, raised concerns around land-mounted um, uh, PV arrays and mm. was arguing ar arguing the case for building-mounted PV arrays, and it was to do with the effect on the land. I mm. um, so I, I I don't know this, uh, enough on it, and of course the reality the reality is that there will be different ways, uh, more and less sensitive ways of designing a PV array. For instance, uh, you know that's just freestanding. For instance. Um, and I don't know whether whether the research was was accounting for that. But for me, mm -hmm. for me, the key thing that uh, it's a simple enough takeaway. But the key thing for me about that particular exercise, looking at the different, the best and worst PV rays for me, is that um, the quicker we can get away from default values and actually having mm -hmm. actual EVs, um, you know, that, uh, for for specific products, um, the better because. Um, it's going to start. I can already see. I don't want to reveal any um, um, betray any confidences in this regard. But even even the article that we've just published in in the new issue of the mag, looking at eleven wall types, for instance, assessing their embedded carbon. Even before that was published, um, because I was starting to spread the word among a couple of suppliers I know in the industry, mm. that's already causing some ructions, um, and it's going to start to cause some manufacturers or some systems. There's 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 talk about collaborating to try and develop lower embodied carbon ways of manufacturing uh one of one of the wall types uh that, that was referenced in the article um so i think you know that um uh the the, the, the i don't know uh you should you, you should you should certainly send them david olivier's um decarbonized materials report and i just just say that because what we're hoping with that is it will start to give people a heads up as to where you know, are the cul-de-sacs in various categories of materials, you know, how far can building materials be decarbonized? Yeah. Because you know, it's going to be a hell of a challenge. It's going to be a hell of a challenge. Great, a great technological challenge, but 
you know, where are the easy wins? Which, which, which types of material are just going to only be able to go so far? And fundamentally, you can't go, you know, beyond that. Because for every ton of a material that can't building material that can't be decarbonized, we will need to dedicate in the future an offset, which is ultimately land, isn't it? Really, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So. If we can, you know, if we did a, a fantastic, amazing moonshot job on decarbonizing materials, you know, how much offsetting, how much land will be needed to counteract that, to soak that up? Or will it be some weird scheme that basically has an impact of getting hold of someone else's land abroad, you know, as part of some, it's, um, it's, it's really unknown territory we're, we're in at the moment. But, but, you know, clearly some types of materials have got a lot of potential for decarbonisation, and those are the ones worth pursuing, aren't they? I guess well, it's difficult right. for a manufacturer that has already invested so much in, you know. Of course, they'll want to start launching into to tweaking, you know, filling at the edges or trying to just, you know, decarbonise elements within their assembly. They've invested a lot of money and, you know, prestige in these things. They're not going to abandon them, are they? I know. Easily. I know. It's it's tough, but you know, um, we this, the the nature of the challenge we're facing. They'll have to suck it up. Unfortunately, you know, there, there, are, there are there are greater concerns. I yeah. think yeah. I think as well. You know, we're still at the stage where some manufacturers will um, are of high pollution high polluting products are mm. are uh, are are actually going out there and um, busting a gut to get environmental product declarations because they're st- which seems counterintuitive because they're they're getting brownie points. For having the EPD, uh, mm. having you know, right. because we're because we're still benchmarking buildings, I suppose you know, um, and um, so so that you know uh, that's less than ideal, I suppose, in some ways. But but uh, at least you're at least they're 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 becoming part of the conversation. So now. do you think we might see um, you know uh, adequately low carbon buildings which are straw bale construction with plastic windows? <laughs> so, like, strange bedfellows, you know. Uh, yeah, who knows what, what weird and wonderful kind of uh, 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 sort of confections we're gonna we're gonna find yeah. in this. But I I think it's it's been a, an amazing process for me. Um, I mean, every day is a school day, and and you know, mm. and I, I I love that aspect of it. Um, uh, but it's it's because of tools like like Page Ribbon that that I now feel like. The fog of uncertainty over over uh, understanding, and of course, there's still unresolved questions um, that, you've, that you've hinted at there. Um, but it's lifting, um, and and we're, we're we're actually getting to understand in a much more meaningful way, uh, you know, uh, what what some of the kind of key issues are, whether there are issues that we thought were significant and maybe are you know, are, are are not not so much, yeah, um, or or whatever. Um, and um, and that I think is something the whole industry just needs to engage with. As, you know, really, well, that's really powerful stuff, isn't it? I can really feel that what you're saying about the sort of the, the having the tool that gives, suddenly gives you the clarity, gives industry the clarity to see it and to yeah to, to to work out what questions to ask next, and then you know clear actions can come from that, which hopefully yeah, and it's it's even just the thing of of um of you know the uh, the, the restlessness and the curiosity of 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 uh. Of seeing what what impacts uh, you'll have by by changing the recipe of of the the construction of a given a, a given build up or or whatever you know I think these things are they're it's it's interesting um, and uh, and uh, I'm just 
looking forward to what we learn next, you know. Um, I think we've probably got lots to cover here. We've got lots to work with here and a, a terrible job editing it down, you know. Something oh, dear, kind of yes. Well, that's, <laughs> we'll have you on again, you see, for me, for me, it's like, oh, well, that's a, that was a great chat for you. It's like you've now got to edit it. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and land it on it. someone else. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's brilliant. Sure, look, uh, thank you so much for coming on. And um, we w- this won't be the last time. You're not you're not shot of us. Well, like, what I like about it is it is genuinely relaxed and uh, and and it feels like a sort of safe space to have a you know quite a you don't have to prepare. I'm not glancing at facts and figures and so on. It's a nice thing to do on a Friday afternoon. I like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much. And sure, we'll uh, we'll we'll, we'll uh, look forward to, to 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 having you on again soon. You know. Thanks, Jeff. 